And good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. You know, it's... We use... One of the things that has always bothered me about uh, religious language is that it, it a lot of times just kind of jumbles together, and we don't think very clearly or we're not very precise in our definitions. And, uh, you know, that's true when we talk about holiness, when we talk about love, when we talk about covenant. Uh, these all kind of blur together. But I've just come across uh, a teaching by Father Gary Lowenstein. It's a book called The Heart of Holiness, Friendship with God and Others. And right in the very first chapter, he brings together two concepts that I don't think I've heard uh, anybody bring up so specifically before, and that is holiness and love. And uh, let me tell you, Father uh, is going to join us here in a minute. He's been a priest for 45 years. His ministry with the North American Redemptorist has included teaching Spanish in a high school seminary, encouraging vocations, and uh, uh, directing novices. He is a certified spiritual director and uh, author of The Heart of holiness, friendship with God and others. Father, good to have you here. Thank you. Thanks very much, Al. It's good to be with you. Thank you. When I first started thinking about holiness, and trying to understand what was meant by it rather than just invoke the term, I thought, well, it means being set apart from the world. It means pure. It means kind of being blameless, doing the right thing. Uh, it's only recently that I've come to see that when we talk about being holy, we're talking about love. You do you ex, do an exposition of this beginning in chapter one, which I'd like to hear more of. Can you tell me? Certainly, and I, I suppose it would be helpful to go back to what um, inspired the book. Let's sure, say. let's do that. It was uh, my own experience as a redemptorist novice back in 1965. I was 19 years of age. Uh, the Vatican Council was just getting underway. Uh, very confusing time. And in my own personal life, it was very confusing. I have to say, uh, my own uh, parents were very good people. My father was a very loving father. And my idea of God really came especially from seeing God as a father, God loving me so much. So when I got to the novitiate and began reading the spiritual books that we had in particular, and I saw the emphasis, and, and this was true especially of our novice rule, on denying oneself and on the practice of mortification and penance, mm -hmm and uh, undergoing, um, uh, to a certain extent, practices which were designed to humiliate and to uh, create a sense of no self-worth, a sense of unworthiness, I became very confused. At what, what kind of God really was God? Interesting. Uh, I was uh, uh, told, and I believe, that the rule was God's voice, so all of a sudden, God was talking to me in a different way than he had ever talked to me before, mm -hmm. and it was not a very kind way, not a very loving way. Um, so I became very confused. After, it was probably the worst year of my life, 
After that year, I got into theology, and we had a wonderful scripture scholar who pointed out that the main message of the scriptures is indeed that God does love us. So that was beginning a feeling. And of course, when you're young, you struggle with the idea of friendship anyway. I saw the two concepts come together, as as you pointed out. Uh, In my own life, I saw that I was being asked by God uh, to come into friendship with him. So, so that that's really uh, the beginning of the book. Um, took many years to get to the point where uh, I was uh, able to say, yes, this definitely is what God wants. And you see the book is full of research from the lives of the saints and their mm-hmm. writings, because I just wasn't sure. if the, It almost seemed too good to be true. That what God <laughs> wants of us is his, friend, his friendship with him. It is. It's... <laughs> Now, I laugh because in some ways, uh, it's, it's hard, at least for some of us, it's hard to imagine the concept of friendship in relationship to God. Because we have buddies, uh, we have kids we grew up with that we call our friends from early on, and sometimes it seems awfully casual. And, and yet, we can have friendship with God without it being... Um, trivializing. I mean, but he remains our friend. He's intimately close to us. What is the difference between friendship with God and friendship with my friend George from grammar school? Well, I think it's always uh, a respectful friendship with God. Of course, now here's here's also a point uh, that I discovered. Our, fr- our human friendships also gain as we have a, a greater understanding of what a friendship with God is. Um, just to give an example, if my approach to my friend is always through insulting humor, um, that may not necessarily be the best for him nor the best for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just playing with it, but it may not be what uh, what is the best. Mm-hmm. I'd certainly never treat God that way, uh, in an insulting way, just to be, just to be uh, friendly, let's say. Um, so I can kind of learn from my human friendships also what I learned from my friendship with God. So you're right, it's a respectful friendship, but nevertheless there is a certain amount of casualness, there's a mm-hmm. certain amount of familiarity and comfortableness uh, in our friendship with God. Is there a certain amount of play? Yes. Yeah. 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 I agree. Yeah. You know, uh, St. Alphonsus, who founded the Redemptors, uh, he went so far... He went so far as to call God in Italian pazzo. He says he must be crazy to want to be friends with us, <laughs> and the way he the way he's gone about it. But uh, he didn't mean that in an insulting way. Right, right. that's good. That's good. Uh, how when how long did it take for you to kind of integrate the two? Uh, this the sense of God as love. And the wonderful experience you had as a result of your father commun- mediating that love to you. And then you, you mentioned all these disciplines and mortifications and things in which uh, made you, the, the aim of which was to make you feel unworthy and to uh, emphasize the distancing gap between you and God. How, how, how long did it take you to, at, a, at an emotional level, you know, at a, at a sense level, uh, yes. bring those two together? Well, I think because I didn't want to rush into some sort of presumptuous conclusion, 
it did take longer probably than it would for maybe other people. Um, I needed the assurance that this really was the teaching of the Church, that mm-hmm. this really is what uh, the Church believes. And so I put up... Uh, now, I didn't get to writing down my notes on this until 1997. I see. And yeah. uh, at that time, I was um, the uh, rector of our postulant house, and uh, I saw some of our fellows going from the postulancy into the novitiate, and I said, I want to I wanna warn them. Yeah. I want to teach them. So I gave them the unsolicited advice, or I wanted to, of my experience in the novitiate, and I wrote down some notes. I, I think I never actually followed through with giving it to them. But at, at that point, I was putting things down on paper. Uh, after uh, I decided I would uh, try to publish it as a book, I uh, looked forward to the year 2000. It was still three years away. And I said, well, if by the year 2000 I can find an in an array of the Church's writings, some sort of confirmation that the direction I'm going with about friendship with God is correct, then it's good enough proof for me. Mm-hmm. So I did, I did find that. Uh, that's all that research in there. Didn't end up publishing the book in, in uh, 2000 or whatever. Didn't do that until... Um, I contacted the Ignatius Press in 2013 or so, mm-hmm. but um, but nevertheless, the work the work was really done by uh, by the by the beginning of the millennium. Yeah. So that's kind of the that's kind of the marker that I use. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I'm still integrating it. I uh, I mean I can write about these things. I don't necessarily always practice them. <laughs> no, I know that. I know. In terms of my own experience, that's the case, too. Um, the goal of friendship, you write, is to establish a bond with the friend, and this is also true of our communion with Jesus. Uh, as the Catechism states, man is made to live in communion with God in whom he finds happiness. Uh, when I am completely united to you, there will be no more sorrow or, or trials. Entirely full of you, my life will be complete. To what degree can one experience that before uh, before we're fully perfected in Christ's likeness with him in eternity? Well, certainly that was one of the insights of St. Augustine. He said the um, union with Christ creates the greatest happiness for us. I think we do experience joy. Mm-hmm. Uh in times of trial or times of suffering, that that joy might be more low-keyed. It might come to us more in the form of peace. But there is that sense that this really is what fulfills me as a human being. I'm made for God, and I have this union with God, not because I create it, but because God invites me into it. And that's that's a very satisfying thing. Um, We've know that, as Augustine said, we know that we're, we're not complete when we don't have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we can, so there can be substantial experience of that union, uh, even now? I believe that we can continue to have a sense of joy mm-hmm. in everything we do in our lives, 
knowing that everything is a gift from God who is our friend. I mean, if I were to receive um, a gift certificate to uh, McDonald's (laughs) from a a friend, I'd, I'd be pretty happy about that. And all through my life, I'm getting all these gifts. Yes, yes. Hold it there, Father. We'll come back. Father Gary Lowenstein is the author of The Heart of Holiness, Friendship with God and Others. We continue conversation in just a moment. I'm Al Cresta. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. With me, Father Gary Lowenstein. He is the uh, author of The Heart of Holiness, Friendship with God and Others. And we've been discussing, uh, well, recently, just before the break, talking about uh, the sense of communion with God, the joy that comes from uh, awareness that he has uh, given us himself. He is gift to us, and we try to orient or conform our lives with that to others. But I wanted to ask about friendship with ourselves. You have a chapter in here uh, dealing with that. And so we talk about friendship with God, friendship with others. What about friendship with ourselves? What does that actually mean? I think that it especially means that we accept how God feels about us. God continues to tell us that he loves us. And a lot of times, um, we don't necessarily take him at his word. Um, A lot of times we think of faith as meaning giving consent to something which we can't prove. Well, that's not really what faith means in the scriptures. In the scriptures, it means trusting someone uh, completely. And in our case, it's trusting God completely as a friend. And I think uh, the the whole idea of our value comes from the fact that God loves us so much that God created us in the first place because when he thought of us, he loved us. Mm-hmm. And that's the basis for any value, all the value that we have as human beings. So that's the beginning of it, certainly. Uh, you uh, write here of St. Thomas Aquinas, the love with which a person loves himself is the form and root of friendship. For if we have friendship with others, it is because we do unto them as we do unto ourselves. I think that's probably shocking to a lot of people to think that friendship with oneself uh, is the root of our relationship with others. Um, at least I, I think people would find that uh, surprising because we're always talking about thinking of the other, thinking of the other, doing for the other. That's right. And I think we get the wrong idea of what humility means, for instance. Humility doesn't mean that we don't give ourselves the same significance that God does. In other words, uh, I don't, uh, I'm not more humble by saying I'm absolutely worthless. <laughs> I'm, I'm humble by recognizing who I am in God's eyes, the gifts he's given me, and, of course, the shortfall, uh, the, the shortcomings that, 
that I create, but uh, uh, knowing that God is is merciful and and uh, wants to encourage us to improve. Mm-hmm. Uh, does the how can I say the experience of grace is in uh, mercy is often experienced uh, in terms of uh, freedom from an offense. But it's much. It goes much beyond that. The God's mercy towards us is not merely His forgiving us, but it's Him affirming us, not only in our moral shortcomings, but in our our finitude as well. That He loves us for He created us. He likes creatures like us. That's right, and and you know, um, it is true that by all rights. Well, let's say it this way. By all rights, we're nothing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that sounds like I'm denying what I just said, but it's only because uh, I t- when, when I have, a, we call them quinceañeras, a uh, 15th uh, birthday mass for girls in the Hispanic culture, one of the points I emphasize is when God uh, thinks of us at the beginning of eternity and God thinks of the idea of of, say you, Al, he loves you so much that you just have to be. Uh, he loves you into existence. Uh, that's that's really uh, the essence of our being anything, uh, because God loves us so much. He not only creates us, but he also loves us into being. And every part of our lives is part of the expression of God towards us. Of course, then you get into the whole thing about redemption and all of that. But uh, as you said, the mercy of God is, he was merciful enough to, to create each yes. one of us. Yeah. that's Yeah, I love about that. When people think about, you know, we're, quote, contingent beings, uh, you know, we don't have the source of our life within ourselves. We're the, we're the result of uh, another that for some people that's very threatening uh it's the idea that poof they could be gone in an instant but you've turned that around uh, so that our very being itself our the fact that we're here improbably that we're here is a result of God's loving choice of us in his affirmation of his friendship with us fundamental friendship with us yes there's the problem of sin and redemption but I'm talking about our creation he called us into called us into being uh, and it's his love that sustains that. That's correct. And recognizing that about myself, I can recognize that about you. Yes. I think if I would deny that about myself, that puts on pretty shaky grounds any recognition of you or any appreciation of you. There's also a psychological, I guess you could call it a psychological lesson. You know, when St. Bernard of Clairvaux um, began his religious life in the monastery. He was a very strict guy, hmm. and he says himself that people could, the, his fellow monks could not keep up with him. What he demanded of them, uh, the, the rigor and severity, and uh, it was just impossible for them. And he said at one point he realized it was after the death of, of his brother, I think, or at least one of the monks which he was responsible for because of the, uh, of the um, asceticism that he demanded. Oh. He realized 
that he was on the wrong track. And he said, if I don't have more mercy on myself, I can't experience what it is to have mercy for others. So so he said, it's like if you've never been sick in your life, you're not going to understand what it means for someone else to be sick. You're a spiritual director. You're experienced at spiritual direction. Uh, in your experience, what is there a, a presenting problem that comes up more often than others uh, with those seeking spiritual direction? I think that it's simply that we don't always understand what holiness means. Yeah. I think that we see the statues in church with the people's hands folded and the <laughs> eyes looking up to heaven and right. say, well, I guess i got to go around like that. But that's, uh, that's really not what it means. I mean, they have to depict it somehow, but sure. that's really not what it means. Uh, it really is this healthy relationship with God and other people. And the more we can develop that, and with ourselves, and the more we can develop that, um, you know, God... God has called us holy. By his will, we are holy in his sight. Now, we may not live up to that, mm-hmm. we make ourselves less holy, but um, he's called us his friends. So, so we don't have to gain his friendship. It's a matter of recognizing the call, and it's a matter of responding to it. And I'd say the more we do it, the more joyful we are. That's, that's kind of a measure of how successful we are in responding to God. Hmm. So joy is, uh, well, St. Paul calls it a fruit of the Spirit. So joy is then a recognition. Uh, I mean, that's, that's an index, I guess, uh, from what you've said. Uh, it is. And, and as I said before, it may not always be um, as peak an experience as joy is. It may simply be that peace. I know I'm doing yeah. what God yeah. wants. And that makes me feel at peace. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see, when when uh, you've been involved in spiritual direction for a long period of time, have the problems presented today differ significantly from the problems that were presented when you began? I uh, didn't begin until probably I was in my. Uh, well, let's see. I was I was doing spiritual direction for high school seminarians when I was in my late twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what kind of direction I gave them, but <laughs> I, I would say that uh, over the years, as I gained an experience, I saw that uh, a lot of what people um, were suffering from let's let's call it that was that lack of sense of their own worth, and uh, that they needed to be able to be assured about that. I would also see that a lot of times we simply, uh, as we get into spiritual direction, we kind of come to a plateau, and it's hard to explore anything else. We kind of know what our vocation is. We kind of know what our daily living should be. And we come into spiritual direction, if you're doing it every month, and you say, my gosh, what am I going to talk about this time? <laughs> you know. Yeah, but the yeah. fact is, the, the point of spiritual direction is to say, well, where is God acting in your life today? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's always acting in our life. And even if it's the same thing he's doing today that he did last week, mm-hmm. 
Sure. It's still good to recognize that all of those are evidences of God's continuing love. Yeah. See, I think St. Paul calls the Corinthians saints, uh, and the Corinthians are pretty messed up as a bunch of Christians. Yeah. Uh, and and, he, and Jesus calls us friends. Uh but I, I don't think I, I don't think people are able. To, I think many people are unable. I know for a long time this was very true for me, unable to really accept that as my identity. That always becomes something I'm going to be or going to have. It's something I don't have now. Uh, how do you get over that? Uh, help people get over that uh, difference. Well, I think first we recognize that the term saint is applied by the Church in an official title to people whose virtue, whose extraordinary virtue has been examined and proven, and especially yes, in technical miraculous. Right. Right. So, so that's when we, we in the Church say saint, that's who we think of. What we don't think of is precisely what you just pointed out, that St. Paul called all of us holy ones, yeah. all of us saints. Holy not because of ourselves, holy because God just decided, okay, I love these people, and they're always going to be my friends. Father, let me thank you. Uh, Good making your acquaintance and and having you with me today. I hope we can talk again in the future. And uh, I would like to urge people to get a copy of The Heart of Holiness, Friendship with God and Others. Appreciate it, Father. Thanks. Thanks very much, Al. I'm Al Cresta. Be back in just a moment. 